or not in Kansas anymore is about <laughs> all I can figure. He could be asleep for all you could tell. Besides the fact that he's completely pale and not breathing. Which Another is, one? Just goes right into the pouch. Get to play sauce. with the kitties today. Chapter 62 Fly, you fools. Okay. So, once again, you guys are looking at some strange character sheets. Although uh, well, not as strange as before, because now you've seen them. And uh, we are back to running with the tabaxi. We're going to get catty here. Um, so, in the intervening time, all of these characters and one new character uh, all leveled up to level 6. So, why don't we go around the table and tell everyone who you are and who you're playing. And then anything that happened as you started up to level six. So Bryce, why don't you start us out? So I'm Bryce. I'm playing Gray Fog. I'm a Tabaxi Rogue. Um, what, what kind of what kind of tabac What does this Tabaxi look like? Probably this. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Oh Jesus. I look like a cat. Okay. A is gray it, is cat. It gray tabby? What is it's it? It's a gray cat. Gray. Uh, is it all gray? Is it like a, a Russian blue? That doesn't sound great. They're kind of this blue-gray color. Yeah, they're really pretty. They blend in with the dark right now. Describe this quick. Okay, then never mind. Um, since level six, no, when upgrading to level six, I got more expertise in thieves' tools and deception, and three hit points because I rolled badly. Oh well, it's always next level. Good. And next up. I am Owen. I play Red Sunrise. Red Sunrise is an orange tabby-ish cat um, who has who wears glasses and often speaks to his invisible friend. Mr. Stuffle, I guess. Yep. Um, he uh, once leveling up to level six, he gained two. Uh, HP, um, and gained nine side points to use for his discipline. Very good. And also, I can do some new cool <clears throat> mental power stuff Okay. that I haven't, don't know very much about yet. Okay, we'll work on that as we go along here, so you can use your mental power. Okay, anyways, so Drew, if you, you have a new... I do. I get to play with the kitties today. Yeah. Uh, Crispin is, Black Crispin is a paladin. Uh, he follows the oath of the ancients, and he is an older tabaxi. So he's not like with the young guys. He's uh, his his black fur is liberally striped with gray from age, that cats do, and uh, has a permanent smile on his face because they have been quite amusing to him. Okay. And uh, anything new and interesting at sixth level for you? Or is it all new? Like, it's all new, actually. I would have to list the entire character sheet yeah. at this point. Okay. So. 
And Matt. All right, I'm Moon Over Mountain. I'm a cleric. Uh, Moon Over Mountain is white with dark gray splotches, yellow eyes, one chipped off fang, and his tail never twitches. At sixth level, um, he got another third level spell slot and uh, learned Dampen Elements, which means uh, any creature, uh, target creature within 30 feet that takes acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage, I can use my reaction to grant them resistance. Okay. I am Melanie. I play Jade Claw, a Tabaxi Ranger. Uh, I have golden fur and bright green eyes, hence the name Jade. Um, sixth level, I get one more hit die and three more hit points. That's it. And as we uh, pointed out in the previous one, you, you missed once in the uh, entire combat last time, and it was just shocked everybody because that's like the only time anyone's ever seen you miss ever. You're deadly sniper. Okay, so you guys are in your Tabaxi Magical Treehouse and uh, doing the usual stuff. You know, Tabaxi come in, come out, they sneak out into the outside world, they, they're incorrigible hoarders of information, thus the uh, Great Tabaxi Library even exists. And uh, you guys uh, have been uh, doing your usual runs. Plus, of course, everybody is on edge. Uh, just a short time ago, the... Uh, the uh, library was invaded by the walking dead and you guys all realized that the troubles of the outside world had come to visit you so now um, you guys have also been pulling uh, uh, guard duty um, jade you've been uh, going about patrolling the wilderness looking for any other incursions and uh, the rest of you from time to time with the exception of uh, Red, um, who of course just never leaves the upper level of the library, um, you uh, have all been out and about helping to make sure that nothing else is trying to get into the into the Tabaxi homeland there. But anyways, Red, yes, you are sitting there doing what you usually do, mm -hmm. and uh, you know perusing all the stacks, looking at new information that's been brought in. Uh, talking with your imaginary friend. Of course. And um, all of a sudden, you hear a voice in your head. Which Another is, one? Yeah. <laughs> you, usually what you do to everybody else, which annoys them to no end, uh, but you do hear a voice in your head. And it says, Red, are you there? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do I know who this person is? It's yes, Sean Connery. You 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 have uh, you have talked with Galshbar num numbers of times in person. He he's uh, come by the uh, library from time to time over the, the many decades uh, to you know look up information and so forth. So you, you know Galshbar all too well, and um, he uh, in early on found out that he and he, you and he could communicate telepathically even over long distances. Hello, Galshbar. How are you doing? Come again? How are you doing? I'm doing well. We've gotten new information from the Tabaxi Explorers. How have you been? Oh, very good. Um, it's good that you're uh, collecting all that and keeping it safe. I, I understand that the gnomes were raided a little while ago. Uh, one of their ancient tomes was taken from them. That is horrible. 
So you try to keep out of your voice that that was in fact the tabaxi that did that? Yes. Okay. That is truly horrible. Um, actually, roll for me a deception roll. Oh no! I have a minus one to deception. There's something I can do too. And Snuffleupagus do that for you, young lady. Give me a moment. Um, that won't do anything. All right. One. No, just getting twelve. Twelve. Okay. Um, Charles Barge seems to not um, notice anything amiss, and yeah, but he's story. also good at hiding that. So anyway. So Galshabar uh, continues. I have a need of assistance. Um, there's a situation that's come to my attention recently. Um, you may actually have seen them. A, a party of adventurers has been um, working around somewhat on my business, trying to solve the problems that are besetting our kingdom. And... Uh, Early on, they got lost in the mare. Oh. And came across a rather eccentric individual. Apparently, he has been, for lack of a better term, distilling the chaos left over after the Great Mage Wars and using it to infuse youngsters. Uh, one of the uh, members of the party actually was a victim of this particular infusion, which has left him with various powers. Anyway, I, my understanding from the party is that they confronted this individual and dispatched him. But uh, I finally found some free time in my schedule to go and check out his abode. Uh, but I would like to have a little bit of backup. And knowing how you Tabaxi do love information, I thought you might want to get in on this. Yes, that sounds like a wonderful addition to our library. Yes, well I can't promise that there'll be anything there. And then again, maybe there will be. But at the very least, the first-hand information should be uh, astounding. Yes. I will assemble the team. Very good. Um, I will arrange transportation for you in three nights' time. If you will meet at the edge of the Mare, due east of your village. The transportation will be waiting there for you. We will be there. Very good. I look very forward to seeing you in person again. It, it's been too long. It has. Yes. Okay. And what do you do? I'm going to write up a small, like, drafting notice, I guess, and put it on the bulletin board. Okay. It says, help wanted. Adventures. Needed. Needed, yeah. Lack, lack, lack of, uh, of uh, care about your eventual outcome of your corpse required. Okay. And I'm assuming that all the rest of you uh, noticed this, and, and you, of course your feline curiosity is peaked, and you can't possibly help yourself. How long did it take to uh, get to the edge of the mire from, from you, where you guys are? Um, it would take basically about a day. So we have another day or two to get yes. ready. Well, I'm assuming that probably the notice will go up tomorrow because, um, you know, Red will be sitting there and, and we'll forget about it. And then yeah. Sister Snuffleupagus will remind him and he'll actually, you know, draft the notice. And, 
but then he'll forget to post it, and then Mr. Snuffleupagus will uh, remind him to do that, and finally, in a couple of days, he'll get up there and leave you guys just a day to get ready. Out of curiosity, who's Mr. Snuffleupagus? My imaginary friend. Oh, uh, true. He helps yes, me Red with is, organizing. Red is a very interesting individual. Um, amongst his other quirks, he doesn't wear footwear ever. Oh, yeah. And um, then uh, he uh, talks to this person that's not there, which the first time you ever met him, uh, Black, was uh, a little off-putting. Like, all of a sudden, here's, he's just talking with somebody, and there's like, who are you talking I to? I also speak in your mind. Oh, yeah, but that's probably the most disturbing thing. Yeah, you'll just hear him talking, and his lips aren't moving. And Mr. Mr. Suffolfen's like, he's purple with this trunk, until it unravels into four tentacles, and that's when you get the rip. Yeah, Literally in your mind. Literally. <laughs> and this whole adventure is you in a coma. Okay. Yeah, yeah it turns out to be your fever dreams was your body being possessed, yeah. Okay, so um, you guys all sign up with uh, Red to get out there and uh, and get in on this adventure. So you gather up your gear over the next day or so, and uh, then it's time for you to take off. Now, luckily, where you guys are located here south of Valles Calliae, there's not a lot of traffic. The only thing south of you is the old ruin city of Kalium Sedes, and pretty much nobody goes there unless they're just passing through, and even then it's, you know, the, not not the most hospitable of, of uh, areas. It's all the ancient uh, high road is all broken down, and uh, the uh, jungle has overtaken it, so um, most of the time people would rather go the long way around to the east, or take air or sand ships across the mare rather than do it, but a few travelers are seen from time to time, the hardy folk, or maybe even just the sightseers, adventurers heading uh, down to Kalium Sedes to see if there might possibly, after a thousand years, be a little more treasure left there that someone hasn't claimed. Um, far fewer people, uh, you have noticed, are headed back up north. They are headed down south. So uh, you don't have to take quite the level of uh, precaution that you did when you guys took off out of Valles Calliae heading for the docks at Kalesque for your previous tabaxi adventure. Um, so you basically just need to trek to the east. And uh, so this, everyone uh, give me a survival roll. Ooh, 10. Sorry. Yeah, 10. 15. 15. Jade? 13. One. <laughs> so the rogue got lost. Yeah. Do I need to roll for Inside the sock. The rogue follows the imaginary friend. Yeah. yeah. Or where I thought the imaginary friend was. The rogue took the blue pill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then, so so Gray, Gray is, is uh, constantly wandering off, but you're able to corral him and keep him, keep him uh, in line. And, and pretty much as he's like said, you pretty much just have to go due east. And within a day... Uh, at the end of the uh, end of that day, you guys are sitting there on the edge of the mare. The uh, blowing sand is uh, lapping up against the the grass banks of of the uh, uplands that you're in, and uh, you are just sitting there and waiting. I got lost going due east. Yep, yeah, a lot easier to do than you think. You're really dumb. <laughs> Thanks. So we're at this river now. No, you're at the uh, edge of the mare. Edge of the Sea of Sand, just sitting there 
you know, and obviously you're looking east, the sun's setting to the west, so the um, shadows of the peaks just slowly creep out into that giant, immensely flat plain of, of dust. And uh, pretty soon they, you know, the peaks stretch all the way across the plain and the uh, darkness envelops the area. Obviously, darkness doesn't bother Tabaxi too much. Crispin just looks at Red. Okay, we're at the big sandbox. There should be transportation waiting for us to go to Galchabar. So, in the form of your special Do I friends? recall anything, any dangers or special sights or anything cool about the Mare here? Well, you know all sorts of stuff about the Mare. Obviously, just uh, like it is for anybody else, um, you know, the, the general rule of thumb is to venture into the Mare is to die. Um, only the very hardiest of adventurers possibly can, can make it through there. It's just endless miles of trackless, dusty waste, and the, what creatures can survive in there generally are uh, ones you don't want to end up meeting. Uh, but obviously, as historians and incorrigible hoarders of knowledge, you know that underneath the glowing dunes, there is this entire you know, cities of the Old Kingdom. Buried there, and only the tops of the spires of the cities and some humps and bumps in the uh, in the sand give you any hint at what sits below. It uh, has been the uh, demise of many a tabaxi, drawn there with the uh, hope of finding some sort of treasure underneath the sand. Many of which, you know, end up not returning from uh, the market. Crispin sits down on his pack. Just like give it ten minutes, and I'm going home. Probably fall asleep. Okay, so Crispin's asleep. Uh, anybody else doing anything while you're waiting? Can I dump water on him? I don't have water. Never mind. <laughs> can you pour imaginary water on him? Well, your imaginary friend can pour imaginary water on him, but it doesn't seem to do anything. Okay. Are there any trees nearby? Uh, no, actually, you guys left the forest and have now ventured out into the grassy plains that, uh, that you know line the edge of the Mare. I'm just fiddling with a small stick that I picked up from the forest. Okay. So, um, everyone give me perception who is not Christmas. I'll do it with this advantage. You're asleep. 23. Natural 20. 12. 8. Okay. So, um, Moon and Red, um, you guys become aware that Coming across the mare is something flying in the sky. Um, you, you just kind of, you know, blots out a uh, star or two as it's going along, and you realize there's a dark shape there. And you guys ever seen a really, truly gargantuan airplane when it's coming into land, and it, like, just seems to be moving at a snail's pace because it's so big? That you you know your your mind thinks it should be moving quicker, that's the effect you get. I mean, this thing just keeps coming and coming and coming, and it isn't until it's actually reason you know reasonably close that you realize that this is an absolutely enormous creature flying in the sky, and in about three minutes time, you realize that it's actually coming right at you. And it makes a beeline right for where you are, and back wings just in front of you, kicking dust everywhere. 
and lands right in the, the grass nearby. I'm going to poke him awake. Okay. Can I speak to it? Um, right. I ask it if it's our, uh, our transportation. And in, in your mind, it replies, yes. Oh, goody. So what is it? This is our transportation. It is an enormous dragon. What color it, is it? It's tough to tell in the, in the moonlight, but it's definitely some sort of metallic shade as its scales just glisten in the moonlight. So it could be gold or silver, it's hard to say. Kind of stretch a little bit and open up a bleary eye. And there's this enormous head just shadowing you. It's got to be about the size of a dump truck. What's a dump truck? Come on. It's kind of smile like, really? Yeah. A dump Let's go. Cart. Okay. Kind of look at the dragon more like. And the dragon mm-hmm. furls his wings and actually cocks one of his legs so you guys can use it as kind of a ramp to, uh, to climb up on. His, cool. his leg actually just turns into a set of stairs. Kind of just stretch a little bit and pop the old back a little bit and start kind of slowly lambering up there. Find a nice comfortable spot on top and go back to sleep. I, I asked the dragon, what is its name? He says, I am your transportation. Alright, no small talk. And, uh, well, it is yeah. a very large creature. Yeah, the, the, it doesn't seem like someone that uh, you, you do a lot of small talk with. And... Uh, some dragons are curious. He, he says, please hang on tightly. I understand that. Well, if he's not going to hang on tightly, he's going to Smaller fly ones out. are a bit breakable. I'm going to, like, poke him a few times. Hey, he's hey, 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 hey. Yeah, hold on there. He wants you to get off his lawn. <laughs> anyway, and, and momentarily the dragon furls its wings out and just launches into the air, pressing you into his back, into his scales. Um... Couple of you almost poke your eyes on the little neck frills. And he just takes off into the sky. It doesn't go too high. You're probably only several hundred feet up. But still, it's a, it's a little terrifying. But at the same time, hey, you're cats. You love being up in the air. Wouldn't you, know? you want to be like even higher so that like as high as you can go? Because then there's more time to catch people if they fall. Apparently, that's not big on the Sounds he, uh, but the ride is actually very, very smooth. Um, his wings beat, but uh, he's such an uh, enormous creature that it's tough to uh, get a lot of inertia going one way or the other, so it, it's a pretty smooth ride. And he um, just, you know, flies, flits out into the, into the uh, mare. And interestingly enough, after just a couple hours of flight, you guys pass over what appears to be a cloud sitting above an oasis. Interestingly enough, next to it is a small dirigible that seems to be parked there, just on the edge of the cloud. And it's there, and it's gone. And um, about an hour later, you guys... um, you notice the dragon starts to uh, lose altitude and just begins to circle in and there's a little tiny shack, maybe 10 feet on the side, that just out in the middle of the mare for no apparent reason. And uh, this is our destination. Hang on for landing. Please return your tray table to an up and right position. Make sure your stuff is stowed under the seat in front of you. Thank you for flying Dragon Airways. We know we have many choices in your air flying travel. We appreciate you choosing Dragon. 
In case of emergency landing, exits can be found here, 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 everywhere. Here. <laughs> and he glides slowly in for a landing, and it, uh, it's a little, little bumpy for you guys. Back, he back wings and, you know, and uh, puts all four paws down. And uh, once again, cocks an arm so you can slide on down. Thank you, Mr. Dragon, your transportation, sir. You are welcome, little one. Elchabar will be here to join you momentarily. And he uh, steps, you know, sidesteps a couple of four or five uh, steps away so he doesn't end up beating you to death with his wings and then just launches into the air again, just totally showering you with dust. Um, and by the time you guys can get the dust out of your eyes and see again, he's just a little speck on the horizon. Oh man, I left my stick up there. Tragic. You can you can check lost and found later on. Okay. If by stick you mean your bow, then we're gonna have to kill you. So he's but Gatsbar's not here yet, right? No. Right, so it's just you guys and the moon and stars and a shack and a increasingly uh, settling cloud of dust. So we go inside. I think we should wait for Gatsbar. Sit down, pull out my woodworking tools, and start etching a spanked dragon into my quarterstaff. Okay. Sit down. You, you asked earlier. Dust under my fur. You asked earlier about something that uh, he has a long, like longer than normal quarterstaff, and it's like halfway etched through. It's like a continuing story of his life. So he starts to etch. Very good. A dragon into the staff. Okay. Cool. Well, you're about halfway through with your uh, initial outline of the dragon. Mm -hmm. And uh, everyone roll for me perception again. I'm awake this time. Ooh, I have the same roll. 12. 19. 15. 18. 22. Okay. This time it's Jade's um, clever eyes that spot a little speck on the horizon coming out of the west. And, excuse me, out of the east, heading west. And um, after a little while, you realize that it is a elderly wizard lying on a carpet. Heck yeah. Oh, no. He can show us the world. Yes. Hey guys, look. Splendid. Not now, it's really a small part here. Is he singing a whole new world by chance? No, he's one of those birds that's flying. Yeah. He did try to do uh, that thing with Jade, you know, do the whole carpet ride, but she hurt the hairball and he took him, you know, days to get the stain out of the carpet, so that's never going to happen again. I don't think it was a hairball. Yeah. I think she got sick. Blech. Anyway, so uh, rapidly the uh, figure increases in size and pretty soon Galchavar arrives riding on a, uh, a uh, magical carpet. Uh, he settles it into the sand next to you quickly rolls it up, and then just deposits the entire roll of carpet into a pouch at his side. It just goes right into the pouch. I need to get one of those. Yes, it's a treasure from the old kingdom. I recommend you get one if you possibly can. Excellent. There's five of us and one of him. <laughs> the guy who called a dragon to transport us, I don't want to take my chances with that. Dragon's <laughs> not here. Yet. <laughs> you hope. Dragon's probably in the pouch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> his head. <laughs> you called? He, he just flips out his Druber app and calls a dragon on right. mm -hmm. Turns out Galchabar is also a paladin. Yeah. Turns Fine out. Steve. 
And then find improved Steven. Yes. Turns out he's actually the dragon. Yeah, no, it's improved. Find Steven. But find, find amazing Steve. You can call any ancient dragon you want. Legendary you know. Steve. Yeah, let's say. Yep. Epically legendary. Okay. And if, so, you guys are standing there, and Galchbar says, I want to thank you for joining me. This uh, may be a dangerous encounter. I don't know. It seems very erratic, very chaotic, very unusual. I, I'm not sure what we'll find inside, but I hope we uh, make this venture useful for you as well. I have to ask, how did you get a dragon of that size to come and transport us? Let us just say, I know people in high places. <sighs> okay. So he uh, advances forward, and he uh, goes up to the door and opens it, and it just swings open. There's no lock, no bars, no resistance at all. It just opens right up. And he says, oh, my. And you look over his shoulder, and the inside of the room is about 30 feet on the side, whereas the outside of the shack is only about 10 feet on the side. Mm. Kind of stick my head back out, look at the outside of the building, bring it back in. A shack of holding. Look it back out again. Oh I need to get one of these. I'm not sure you truly want one. This is a rather concerning development. Of the, this is some sort of unnatural space. The rest can only be downhill from here. And uh, you guys look around, and sitting right in front of you in the doorway is what appears to be a pair of stuffed tigers that have been just shredded to bits. Oh, you see, now that's just not right. Oh. That's tabaxi hate right there. Uh, luckily, they uh, don't appear to be uh, tabaxi, just tigers of the regular sort. Little cat. And uh, aside of that, it appears to be just a regular person's room. There's beds and a cook stove and some, uh, some chests of drawers and that sort of thing. And a trap door down to the floor below. Wait, bed? Like how many beds? Just one. There was a bed. Bed. And um, sitting in front of the trap door down to whatever the basement is, is a dead body. Oh, that's oh, nice. Balding man. My dear, this must be the former occupant of this room. How What's far it? decayed is this body? Well, see, that's the interesting thing. You don't notice any sort of decay. He seems... He could be asleep, for all you can tell. Besides the fact that he's completely pale and not breathing. That sort of thing. How many pigeons? You holding his breath? Yeah. Poke out of my staff. And look at our clerics. And, Can't you make this thing talk? Well, afraid <clears throat> not. You uh, go up there to give it a poke with the staff, mm -hmm. and just before you're about to poke it, Galchbar notices what you're doing. And says, "Oh, I wouldn't do that." And just then, you like poke it, and it it's the weirdest thing. The body it doesn't explode. It's more like it evaporates. It's like every little cell in the body just starts. Going zip around, around, and around, and with this iridescent, bright blue energy following it, and it just evaporates. Try? I walk back over to Red and put a really serious shoulder hand on shoulder. Said, "Sorry about your imaginary friend. He was a good man." I don't think and that's what away. he looks like. <laughs> Can I try to poke the tiger and do do the same thing? Or nope, they just appear to be shredded, stuffed tigers. 
Why is your first response to something vanishing, seeing if other things vanish? Because of the cool. Was, I'm sorry, was the body? She's got a new toy. The body was at the bottom of the ladder or our no, stairs or the top. Top. the very top of the stairs. Okay. Well, you know, we've got this body evaporating in the blue mist, a giant room, and shredded things. Why not make sure nothing there, else is going on in are here? Are there any, like, other, like, things in the room that seem unordinary? Well, give me an investigation check. What does Galtrevin <laughs> think about all this? How tall is the room? It's maybe 15 feet tall, maybe 10. Is there any, like, like higher shelvings or anything? Um, there's uh, some shelves around the uh, periphery of the room. But, uh, I mean, like, they're, like, you know, like, put people with, like, wood between beams to create storage? Yeah, nothing like that. Okay. I mean, this really looks like just a really big version of the shack that's outside. Okay. 21. Um, so, you don't find anything unusual, um, magically-wise. Um, however, you do find a couple of notebooks. There's, you know, loose folders of um, parchment, and apparently the guy was writing his notes down. Can I see what they are? Um, you probably could, but you think that probably it'll take some serious research, but your initial perusal just seems like the scrawlings of a madman. There's a lot of, Eureka, I've discovered it, and this is the key to all I've been searching for, and blah, 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 not like that, but it's not like a real scientific treatise or anything. Okay. Can we see what Galaxy Ooh, James. to get done? I think I can point? take those and file those away. Okay. I can. But why don't you ask Alchabar? I mean, is he, like, upset that, like, after we may touch the body, may disappear, we're going he, and touching all these other things? doesn't seem to... He, he was a little shocked and taken aback when uh, the, the body disappeared. But, no, he, he seems to fully expect the tabaxi to get their little noses into whatever is there. I mean, you are cats, after all. Is there any chests or anything? There's chests all over the place. They're open. Can I... Yeah. They, do they look like they're open? Uh, yeah. There's no locks or anything on any of these. Okay, like to be to be safer, but it's kind of like tricky if I can like, like lever a lever mm-hmm. lit up with a, the end of the pole so that I yeah. don't touch with it and start so looking. Pop the chest open and it's just clothes and another one's got food and and you know just little you know domestic items up here. There doesn't seem to be anything inside of the the sheaf of notes that uh, Jade found. Doesn't seem to be anything too terribly unusual. Everybody want to go downstairs? Yeah, I think that would be the well, best course of action. That's Galchabar. What do you want to do? I'm afraid we'll have to descend into the, the basement. The, uh, the other party told me that apparently that's where his laboratory was. Interesting. Well, I say, well, all right. All right. I look at the, you know, a rogue over there. Hey, why don't you go check it out? I <coughs> walk over and like, have, like stand sort of behind it and open it up. Yep, and look there on. is indeed some sort of an arcane laboratory down. Although it seems like a lot of the stuff has been broken in some sort of uh, combat that's occurred. The, you know, bookshelves have been toppled over and uh, magical uh, uh, implements have been smashed. And right next to the uh, ladder going down, right by your feet, uh, it seems like right behind that was an entire wall of, you know, glassware that's come crashing down and just lies in a broken heap below the, the ladder. Um, you know, outside of that, you know, other chairs and tables and stuff have been turned over. But uh, it clearly was at one point a magical laboratory. But uh, whatever, whatever finished this uh, this madman off, apparently the uh, combat took place downstairs. Is it safe to drop down? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, the previous party then didn't I, die, right? Then I will drop down. You uh, scurry down the ladder, and you're down there, and, and you notice in one corner, the uh, northwest corner, there's a large glowing blue magical circle. I, you know, I call up to Galtabar that he should probably come check this out, but only after I make sure that there's nothing else in the room. Okay, give me an investigation. Or not like that thorough, just like... Give me an investigation. Okay. Is it a circle or a sphere? 18. Okay, you took, take a look around and you can't make heads or tail of most of the stuff going on here. There's stuff coming zap and pop and, and all that stuff. And, uh... But nothing seems to be overtly dangerous at this point. There's no traps or anything that you can see. Right. Then I'm going to call Galtabar down. So he uh, comes over there and, and uh, scurries down the, the, the uh, ladder after you. I would like to follow. And uh, Red right after him then. And uh, he says, my, my, this is where it all happened. And uh, he walks over to kind of a table that's on a little bit of an angle. And uh, he said... The uh, adventurer that had been infused here with the chaos said that this is where it all happened, and he pats the table. Apparently, the madman was abducting children on the edge of the mare from the farms and so forth that were there, and would take them and inoculate them with the chaos and return them to the edge of the mare. No telling how many of those are out there right now. I do mean to make it a quest to find them if I can. When I go down, I'll <clears throat> So Jade goes down. Uh, Moon, are you going to join him or are you going to stay upstairs? I'm going to go down. Okay. I'll follow last. And you guys are poking about. And Kalsbar is saying, there must be there must be a secret here. Um, where was he getting the powers that he was distilling? It's very strange. And kind of a blue circle? Very it, that would seem to be uh, black, the only uh, possibility at this point. Can I search around for like invisible doors? Or sure, yeah. Invisible so give, doors. Give me an investigation again to see if you find any hidden doors or anything like that. That's a seven. I'm okay, gonna, no, the wall seemed perfectly solid. I'm going to do the same thing. Okay. Oh, well. But, you know, a, a solid four. So. Probably, okay, yeah, the wall seemed perfectly solid to you guys. So, um, so you guys look around and... and um, it seems that if there was anything valuable down here, uh, the previous party took it. Uh, shirts, you know? Either, either mm -hmm. that or there just wasn't anything valuable here. Um, I'm just going to roll out, walk around, just kind of like dragging my staff around across the walls. Not really trying hard, just, you know, yeah, nine. Nope, yeah, walls um, seem completely solid. So, I don't know if I can, like, make this different for our situation right now, but, like, um, I have the ability to perceive the unseen. Uh -huh. Which is like the ability to see invisible creatures, but can I like? Well, you could use that and just see if there's anything invisible here. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to um, use my discipline aura sight, mm -hmm. um, which also gives me advantage on insight checks. Okay. He's talking to his friend again. And I will uh, spend five uh, psychic points or psi points to. Perceive the unseen, which allows me to see anything invisible for one minute. Okay. Um, there are no creatures here that are invisible. You don't see any hidden doors or anything, but it's very interesting. When you perceive around, when you look at that blue magical circle, mm -hmm. um, 
the there's like just almost as if curling flames of energy are rising up from it. Hmm. Is there anything else like invisible? Um, nope, that's about it. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's it, in it's it's almost a little alarming. Because um, they, they're not just like regular flames; they kind of like burst out and shrink back and and things like that. It's, it definitely seems unnatural. Belchvar, I think uh, I think the circle is where he's getting the chaos from. Yes, I. I tend to agree. Let, it, let us examine it further and see if we can determine uh, what it uh, does and where it comes from. And he bends down and, and starts kind of going around the outside looking at the, all the runes and the, uh, and the uh, you know, lines and figures and everything. Is there like a little rock on the ground or anything? Um, there's lots of pieces of stuff that got broken. Like a piece of wood or something? Oh, yeah. Like I just grab a piece of wood, look at it, and throw it at the floor. Okay. Um, so in the sun orb, it's a circle, a little circle, you know, drawn yeah. on the ground, and it just uh, um, kind of just junk, junk, junk skids in the middle of it. But actually, give me a give me a perception check as you do that. Yeah, we can do it. I'm taking you all with me. Sixteen. Sixteen. It's almost like it's being batted around by turbulence. It doesn't land exactly where you think it should, and it doesn't flop around as you think it should. And I mean, there's something funny about that circle, even for something as mundane does, as a piece when of I'm, When I'm looking at it, does, does it look like it's hitting some of the flames and like bouncing around yes. like that? And, and, you know, and just kind of being batted around by the turbulence caused by the energies there. Yeah. I'll explain what I see to everyone. Galchvar says, this is even more disturbing than I thought. Uh, Why? My, my thought is that he was able to harness the energies uh, arising here, and in that way, he was able to tame them and tap them. Now, without the distillery here to keep them in check, they are building up larger and larger amounts of power. We need to see if we can disable this before it blows in a hole in the entirety of the middle of the mare. I mean, no one wants to see that, right? <laughs> well, uh, the, so what? What's so the danger what? there? Yeah. Who cares? Well, who knows what would happen if that amount of chaotic energy was released upon the world. Well, what can we do? He says, let me see what I can do here. And he starts um, an incantation. And you guys notice that around the periphery of the circle, that it starts to glow even brighter. Then you guys notice that the circle itself seems to detach from the floor. And start to rise up, and it's about four feet in the air. Uh, is that supposed to be doing that? <laughs> and it just all of a sudden just zip. It falls in upon itself and disappears. And sitting beneath it is now just this blazing blue white hole. And Galchabar peers over, and says, "Oh my, that's." And then this tendril of blue white energy just whips out of the hole. Wraps himself around his waist and pulls him. He, you know, scrabbles. Dry form. He scrabbles on the edge of the uh, the thing to hold on. You know, is now facing back at you guys. Mm-hmm. So roll to... me a um, acrobatics check. Can I try to? Can I make it athletics? Uh, no, this would be acrobatics. You're trying to grab him. Five. Oh no! Can no, I... you you no. you dive forward and your paws are just just about to reach for him, and he locks eyes with you and he says. 
Fly, you fools. Fly, you fools. Yeah. I'm going to wrap the ladder. Fly where? Where are we going to go? Well, <laughs> see, that's the funny Can thing. Can I run up the ladder? You're right there looking down, mm-hmm. and it's as if you're looking into a star field. It's this blue and black void dotted with these almost constellation-like formations of what seem to be stars. Mm-hmm. And you can just see Galchabar being pulled down into this white and you know electric blue mass in the center. What are you going to do? Dive after him. Okay. Okay. So Black just pitches off the edge, and instead of plummeting, it's like you can fly. You can fly. You you feel like you can transit in all three dimensions there. So um, all of a sudden you see Black just sitting there, kind of hovering, slowly descending. All right, I'm going to drive. I can't go any faster. Um, let's, let's see. What do you well, have? I, I'm going to dive after. Okay, and Moon goes in. Yeah, me too. Okay, um, and Red, and Snuffleupagus. Can I, like, stick my head through and look around a bit? Well, you're looking down into it right now. No, no, like, look yeah. at, like, so if the floor is here, mm-hmm. can I look at what the bottom of the floor looks like? It's just, you know, there's no real bottom to the floor. It's just a hole in the floor and then this okay. the void of blue, blue-black energy. So I'm going to take a torch out and like leave it dangling over the hole so like we might be able to see it later okay and then who's left in the room with me you and jade want to go home i think it's a little late to go home i mean the two of us and his imaginary friend that wouldn't really staff the library very well then i'm gonna go into the hole not lighting myself on fire okay so gray chips over the edge and jade i'll dive in okay so, um, actually, Black, in, in, in uh, reference to your question, um, it's, you can't, it, it does seem like you can speed up, but you can transit in the same, you know, uh, speed either direction, and you guys are all heading down towards the center there, mm-hmm. and you guys start out there, and, and it's wondrous. I mean, you, above you, you guys can see that hole in the ceiling. And you can see the roof of the, uh, the laboratory that you came from. But everywhere else around you is just this infinity of blue-black space dotted with constellations of stars. There's wispy clouds that could be nebula. And like I said, in deep below you, in the center, is what seems to be just this electric blue and white mass that Galchabar has been pulled into. And something is happening down there because... Um, all of a sudden, explosions and arcane energies start erupting from it. So, either that's what happens when you eat a wizard, or Galchabar is fighting back, one of the two. Can I make an arcana roll and try to see if I know where we're at? Sure. Wow. We're not in Kansas anymore, is about <laughs> all I can figure. What's a Kansas? You, you are indeed not in Kansas. You know. Turns out... <laughs> And then the flying monkey show. <laughs> okay. Um, but speaking of that, you guys uh, are progressing down there as fast as you can. But all of a sudden, you become aware of three of the stars seem to be converging on you. And you realize that they're not stars at all, but probably about three foot wide or four foot wide. Balls of 
this white blue energy and tendrils of it seem to whip out from the sides and they are closing with you at a terrific speed. And that's where we're going to stop for this episode. to report here uh, just a whole lot of role-playing and you've probably spotted the reason that we had to go with the tabaxi again um, another missing player uh, this time jesse was out uh, going to watch shakespeare plays in ashland wow i can imagine uh, shakespeare plays rather than playing Dungeons and dragons clearly the woman has her priorities all wrong but there you go what can you do so when we first started the podcast, we determined that we were either going to record uh, all or nothing. Uh, we weren't going to have one of those podcasts where, you know, when someone is out that somebody plays two characters or the dungeon master plays that character while the person's out um, or you just come up with a convenient excuse. You know, they're missing, they're sleeping, they're, you know, stuffed in a sack somewhere. Uh, we decided we were going to either record with everybody present or not, because of course it makes for a much more cohesive storyline if you don't have to make those, you know, excuses up. So um, a while back we had a, a episode that the people couldn't show up for, so we decided to pull out the tabaxi, and here they are again. And uh, you might see them again in the future. We'll just have to see. But anyways, so yeah, just a whole lot of role playing this time around. Although it's very interesting. Apparently Gauchabar can summon giant dragons to act as air taxis. That's interesting. What other uh, secrets he has up his sleeve, we'll just have to see. But the party seems to be in quite a fix right now. Uh, Gauchabar has been kidnapped to the center of this celestial mass. And there are three globes bearing down on them with less than friendly intent. So we'll have to see what comes of that. But for that, we'll have to wait for the next episode. Until then, let us know what you think. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Email us at relicofthepastpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at Relic of the Past on Twitter and Relic of the Past Podcast on Facebook. Articles and artwork are available at poolmedia.podbean.com. And thank you for playing in the world that lives inside my head. <laughs>